Goes back and scores! Brady Leibold goes back and forth behind the net, comes out the right side and lifts the backhander up and in. Leibold right here on Dillon. Dillon comes back with a right of his own. Here's Leibold uppercut. Another right by Leibold. Now he got another fight. Brady Leibold got the right hand pumping on Tony Madden. Up and over top and trying to control him as Leibold's got that jackhammer right going. Throwing a lot off the helmet. Now Tony Madden answering. But Leibold switched to left and he got a few more in there. Oh, you got to be loving this if you're at the Civic Center. Tonight. Wow. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin Road to Recovery. This is episode number four. Brady Leibold coming at you guys again from Utterson, Ontario, right in the heart of beautiful Muskoka. Uh, just have a quick announcement, guys. Super excited uh, to announce a partnership with Team Issued Limited. Um, Jesse Paradise, if you heard him on my last podcast, uh, former teammate of mine with the Kelowna Rockets, has. Um, uh, developed a company, uh, clothing brand, uh, beautiful clothing and hats, guys. Check it out, uh, teamissued.ca. Uh, Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger, a community of all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check out their clothing. And when you check out that website, make sure to use promo code TOEDRAG15. That's TOEDRAG15. I haven't even played hockey in the last five years, so it's the only TOEDRAGs I'm throwing out these days is on that website. So um, I'll get right into it here, guys. Um, really excited. It's taken uh, the last three or four days to, to connect with this guy. Um, and actually, I put all other podcasts on hold until I could talk to him. And it's my last roommate I had in the Kelowna or playing with the Kelowna Rockets in the Western Hockey League, uh, Dylan Hood, fra, uh, living in Kelowna right now. Dylan, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Long time no talk. Yeah, uh, first note here, Dylan, uh, in my notes, let me let me get to this, because uh, it's funny you say that, long time no talk, you're right. Um, it says right here, uh, I just want to apologize for being a shitty friend. I apologize for not being at your and Kayla's wedding. I know I was invited. I wanted to be there. Um, it was a few years back down in Mexico. Uh, beautiful pictures. Super happy that you guys uh, you guys got together when uh, we were in Kelowna living together. You guys were still together. Um, but yeah, I just want to apologize for, for uh, distancing there. I lost connections with everyone, my family, my friends, myself. Um, but, you know, you've been doing well. And uh, I consider you like a little brother. And I'm like just excited to dive into that. And uh, Dylan, you're in Kelowna right now. but um, uh, let's uh, get everyone up to date with uh, what your hockey career has been like. Uh, I met you when you were 17 with the Kelowna Rockets, but that was your second year there. Uh, you were a, a list at 15 or 16, and you walked onto the team at 16 and made it, correct? Uh, yeah, I uh, think I came to camp at 15 after the draft. I was undrafted, um, but I had a few invites from a different team, like a handful of different teams. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm from Osuius, which is only about an hour and a half away. So, you know, it was been a, you know, it's the Kelowna Rockets. So obviously I uh, wanted to go to their camp. So we went there, had a, had a pretty good camp and uh, they listed me after that. And then it was um, the following year was the six year old year. And uh, people that don't know uh, to make the Western hockey as a 16 year old, that's not drafted is extremely uncommon. Um, I would just want to touch you're from a Soyuz, uh, the only desert in Canada. Um, it's a really nice spot. But you're you're living in Kelowna right now, and that's a sick spot too. So, um, like, what's your living conditions? What have you been up to these days? Um, I know that you were in Italy for the COVID nineteen because you were playing over there there this year. You got out of there safe. Like, tell me what happened there. Yeah, that was kind of wild. Um, uh, basically, we were in the middle of first round of playoffs, and uh, we were set to play the next night. And uh, I just got a, a message from my coach. 
saying that it didn't seem like we were going to finish our league. Um, so then he, as it transpired throughout the afternoon, um, we found out that the league was going to be canceled and then basically changed our focus from playoffs to uh, get home because it was kind of getting crazy over there at that time. So we basically called the airlines, got on the um, the soonest flights we can get out of there and pretty much packed up and uh, got on a flight home. And then, uh, yeah, we flew back to Kelowna and we did a little two-week quarantine in um, my wife's family, uh, her, her family's camper outside the house. So thank God for good weather here. All right, well, I'm glad you guys are safe. So you guys are good, obviously. Um, uh, you're living back in Kelowna. I love Kelowna, and uh, when I went there, it was a it was a life changing experience for me. Obviously, um, if you listen to the last podcast with with Jess, uh, I talked about that experience, and I don't know if you know knew that full story or whatever. But do you remember uh, the day that I came to the team, or or what that was like, or what your first impression of me was like? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, vaguely for sure. I mean, I remember. I I don't know about my first impression of you, let's say, but I definitely remember uh, um, the impression that I was left with. Obviously, yeah. as as living together. So for sure. And I mean, I <laughs> talked briefly about that first skate um, with you guys. Uh, you were obviously out there with Tice, Tyson Berry, and Tyler Myers, and one of your good buddies, Ed Bludoff. Um, I mean, you've actually stayed connected with quite a few of those guys because uh, a lot of them come back in Kelowna. Obviously, you and I connected on a whole other level. Uh, I had a few roommates over my WHL career, but when I came to Kelowna, um, you know, uh, there was a very good core. You group of young guys and I actually saw a lot of myself and you just in kind of the, the way we played uh you know we both had the nasty toe drag as Jess said right and um trying to get to know you and um we obviously bonded and we'll get to that here in a sec um but let me tell you what my first impression of you was and what I remember of you Dylan because this is hilarious so Dylan had a, like a 1986 Dodge Caravan with plastic spinners and like two 12 <laughs> two 12 inch subs in it and so the coaches tell me, yo, this is the kid you're going to be living with. This is Dylan Hood. Yeah, sure. So I meet him. And so when I flew in there, I didn't have a vehicle or anything. So like after practice, after that first day of hell, after being, I was so hungover, I just skated. I got blown up by Schender in practice. Like it was, it was not a good, it was not a good first day. And like <laughs> the, team was going, the team was going to Sturgeon Hall, a local spot in Kelowna. Uh, it's a great spot. I remember we went there after that and uh, like riding, I think it was like me, you and, and Ev that went there and like I didn't say a word the whole way there because I think Little Wayne was just pumping the whole way in the caravan like apple bottom jeans boots with the fur you remember that shit like I'm like who is this kid man like this is the kid I'm living with he's got plastic spinners on his Dodge Caravan like this is too much like I like honestly I from then on man like I was like I fucking love this kid you know and um, you and I, we, we hit it right away, but, you know, like, you know, it was funny, and, you know, like, you were a lot younger than I, I was, but, you know, I opened up to you quite a bit, I don't know if you remember, but, like, um, you know, uh, do you remember, like, Jesse kind of, kind of, like, he even said to me after, he's like, man, I dropped the ball with the secret send, I couldn't believe I didn't remember that, but, like, do you, because Evan was, like, your best friend on the team, really, so, like, do you remember him doing that shit to me, like, in front of the team with the <laughs> Razor, there and that, like, yeah, that was pretty wild, actually, I don't know what he was thinking, but, uh, I know exactly what he was thinking, you had a hand in that, don't even lie to me now, man, I don't care, it was funny no, as no, hell, because, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll clear it up right now, I you didn't even know what he was doing for you, 
<laughs> no, I had no idea. <laughs> I still laugh about it. I, I think about it to this day, but like I still think with the one with James McKeon did with Kyle Verdino, he was like, remember Dino? You had to wear that weight vest like the whole year in practice. Yeah. Like I was already like, 240. You put that weight vest on, he's like 280. You run into that guy, you're getting winded for sure. Like I like, and so like that, you had the headband with the chocolate bar stuck to it. It was quite funny, you know, like your Dino chase this chocolate bar around and lose some weight. So. Um, so you obviously played, started in Kelowna and, um, you lived with the Ram ponies and, uh, you, were you there the, the third year before you got traded? Uh, no, I actually lived with a different family the year before you came too. my first year oh, I lived oh, with, oh. uh, yeah, I, I lived with a family, um, who had the, they had the, their own rink in the backyard and stuff. Um, that's they were family right. friends. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So you and I had a chance to live together on the Ram pony farm on, on Gordon Avenue. And, uh, I think, um, People that bill it in junior hockey, I mean, it's, you know, it's a big, you take on a big responsibility and these people had both of us and uh, obviously their kids were long gone, but they, they billeted for years. Uh, Dom and Lena Ramponi. Um, I actually talked to their daughter, Cynthia, yesterday on Facebook. I was trying to connect with Lena just to, to let her know that I was going to be talking to you because uh, obviously you and I haven't talked for probably, what, 10 years, Dill? Uh yeah, I, I think actually it was, it's been about eight years. I think I, I talked to you when I was in university, actually. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk about like just your experience with uh, going, going to a billet family and, and what that was like. And obviously living an hour and a half away from home. And I know that your, uh, your dad, Keith, your mom, Jacqueline, and uh, your brother, Dakota, who I called Fanning after the actress, Dakota <laughs> Fanning, um, were at a lot of games and that must have made it a lot easier for you and um i know that they were a great sense of support for you there and and they were always there and uh i mean so when you got traded to moose jaw what was that experience like um you got traded for riley grantham in a fifth rounder and uh riley grantham is just a is you know i don't want to sit here and knock any guys but you know he, he was brought in for toughness and uh obviously your skill level is a lot higher than his and um you know moose jaw had some good young players too but you missed out on a chance of going to the memorial cup and that must have hurt too but you ended up going to moose jaw and really hitting your stride you know just tell me what that was like uh going to, from Kelowna to moose jaw in the crush can and that rink and just the atmosphere because you know playing all those barns out yeah yeah uh yeah i know that that was that was definitely an adjustment for me um leaving Kelowna because it was basically like i mean i wasn't in my hometown but i was close enough like you said uh, my family was able to come to majority of the home games, um, being an hour and a half drive. Um, got to see them all the time. And when you're young, from 16 to 18, I yeah, know it was it was just a little bit of an adjustment, obviously for me, um, uh, going to Moose Jaw from Kelowna. Uh, Kelowna being an hour and a half, like you were saying, from my hometown, um, I was able to have my family there. Um, majority of the home games, which was awesome. Got to see my brother, and my my parents all the time. So when I got traded, it was a little different. You're you're across the country. Um, it was definitely, uh, it was a different experience when I first went there I didn't really know anybody. Um, it, it's kind of tough when you go into a dressing room and, you know, I, I'm not super outgoing, uh, initially, unless I get to know you. And then, so I was a little quiet, but then a couple of days later, Jesse Paradise got traded there. And, uh, so that made it a lot easier for me. He ended up li- living with me there too. Um, so it was nice to have one of your good buddies there to kind of go through the, the, the change and the adjustment of a new team together, which was which was ideal, actually. 
I was thinking about it today, like, you know, and, and actually the last couple of days, just looking, uh, you know, and thinking about the players I played with in Kelowna and you got to play with in Kelowna. And then looking at the rosters of the players you got to play with in Moose Jaw, uh, you got to play with a lot of very good players in your Western Hockey League career. Obviously in Kelowna, we had Jamie Ben, Tyler Myers, Luke Stan, um, Brandon McMillan, uh, Tyson Berry. Uh, the list goes on. Cody Almond. I mean, there was a there was a list of good players there. But when you went to Moose Jaw, you had a you had a chance to play with Quinton Howden, Travis Hamanick, and then again Morgan Riley as a 16 year old when you were 20, correct? Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, he came in as a 16 when I was 20. There, it was incredible. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a quick question about that because people always ask me who the best player is I ever played with, and um, it's such a it's such a hard question for me sometimes to think about. Um, because I mean, there's so many different facets to the game. And I mean, I played on a line with Jimmy Ben. He won the art Ross. I played on a line with Steve Stamkos, uh, in the Tampa camp, like Barry did as a 16 year old on that power play. When I played in Kelowna was like, it's so mind blowing still to me. Like, uh, Braden Chen is the only other 16 year old that I saw dominate like uh, at 16. Um, but what was Morgan Riley like at 16 in comparison to Tyson Berry? And it's kind of interesting now that they're playing together. Uh, yeah, like just a little different of a different style of game. Like you know, Tyson was like just extremely skilled. You know what I mean? Like the stuff he could do with like with the puck, it was uh, he pretty much had that thing on a string. So he kind of just waved it around like a wand almost. Whereas like Morgan Riley was just he had a, he had a different type of uh, I don't know something that he, he was he, he was just super explosive. Even at 16, we did a little skills competition in Moose Jaw when it, in my last year, and he, he won the fastest skater and he beat Quentin Howden was a great skater and everybody was surprised but it's like this guy was just out there jumping around on the ice and it was yeah he he was just extremely explosive player. Yeah, that's that's a neat story for sure. Obviously, Quentin. Uh, a hell of a hockey player too. Um, he's a first rounder, to, uh, 25th overall to Florida, but he's playing over in the KHL right now for, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's Vitya Koldosk or something like that in Czech Republic, but it's part of the KHL. Um, I mean, it's obviously good hockey over there, but um, uh, Morgan was a fifth overall pick, the same as uh, Luke Shen was um, my final year. Um, what was Travis Hamannick like as a, as a teammate and uh and then like a, you know, kind of guy in the dressing room. Uh, I, I'm only asking for my own personal reasons and I'll tell you why after. Uh, in, in the room, he was pretty good. He was definitely uh, kind of just like assume the leadership role. Um, even when I was there, we were pretty young when I got traded there. So he was already, I think he's, he's a 90 as well. So he was 18 when I got traded there and he was basically assuming a leadership role at that age. Um, yeah. And then it just like increased throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah, I just I remember playing against him when he was 16, and uh, you know he he had a chip on his shoulder then, and I and I actually hated him on the ice for it. And and if you could get me to hate you, then you were doing something right. So um, he's obviously having a hell of a career. Um, second rounder to the the New York Islanders in 2008, but now playing for the Calgary Flames. I mean, there's a li- list of NHLers that you and I both played with. Dylan, you have spent the last what? nine years better part of nine years um chasing your dream of playing pro hockey uh across north america now overseas and uh what's that been like i know that you uh did try to go to, and you did play in the cis for a little bit you know what was that decision like to to continue playing pro hockey and go and why 
why did you end up leaving and deciding to uh, play? Um, I don't know. At the end of the, my 20-year-old year, like I had a pretty uh, pretty decent 20-year-old season, um, and I got the opportunity to go to the Boston Bruins um, camp. So I went there, and it was a really good experience. Um, played a couple, um, I guess, inter-squad games against uh, the Islanders and ended well, um, but obviously it just didn't work out. And at that point, I, it was... Um, I had the option to go down and, and go to Providence camp in the American League. And for whatever reason at that time, made the decision to go back to CIS where I would committed um, the University of Calgary. Um, and then I went there. I did a year at UFC. And it really was just to me, it just came down to like, you know, I was, I was young. I felt good. I wanted to keep playing hockey. And when you're going to school and playing hockey at the same time, you kind of compromise in my focus on hockey so i figured you know what let's just gonna go fly out here and see if i can go do some play pro in the states see what's out there you know dylan i did the same thing i um i actually never went to school but i i went and played pro and i touched on my last podcast uh, about that and i mean you're still playing pro you're playing over in italy obviously your season got cut short but you never made it to the nhl i never made it to the nhl you know yeah, we played in the Western League. We played minor pro. Sometimes I feel like I wasn't too far off some of these guys. Like, yes, there's your high-end, high-end guys. But, you know, one right move here, one right move here. I mean, we all have those stories, right? I, I still get these stories from everybody. People that didn't even play junior come up to me and be like, man, I could have played if I would have done this and this. And that's sort of just how life goes. But is there any sort of decisions in pro that you've made that you've could look back on and be like yo if i could go back and and you know if i would have just not played here and gone here uh has there been any experiences like that dylan and if there has can you can you tell me about them um i mean that's hard to say right like it's, i think it's everybody's can can analyze after you've made a decision and you've seen the outcome you know how it could have went better and so any decision like you you could find a way to look at some greener grass um but i mean at the same time saying so like I, I did leave from an NHL camp, went back to school, and then instead of going where I could have went maybe to the American League down from an NHL camp, coming down, and then even if I would have ended up in the ECHL, it would have been coming down from the American League. It's just a better, it, you get looked at a little bit better, I think, as opposed from me now trying to go to the ECHL from school, and now you're coming out of school. You just don't have the exact the same reputation, you know what I mean? No, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. And um, you did. You said you had a good year. Your last year, you had 33 goals, 50 assists, 83 points, and in 71 games. I mean, that's a hell of a season. And I told you, I remember telling you at 17, and I was 20, that like, yo, like, you can be an 80, 85 point guy. I don't remember if you meet like having these conversations with you, and it was just all about confidence, and uh, you telling me just about having that confidence. And uh, obviously, it was you know, playing on that Kelowna team with me, um, got a little bit of opportunity, but not a whole lot of opportunity. Um, but I remember one game in particular where, uh, and I don't even think you got any of your goals in the power play, but did you have three or four goals in one game? And, and I know you had a hat trick for sure. Um, but like, that was just, you had an incredible performance. And I remember talking to you about that after and, and, uh, you know, and, 
I could see it in your eyes that you were starting to believe in yourself as a player, you know, and uh, I don't know if you remember that night at all and and uh, what? Uh, yeah, I think it was a three-goal night in uh, Prince George's, what you're talking about. Uh, there was a lady in Kelowna, she uh, used to make figurines for anyone that would score three goals in a game or, or more. Um, they were figurines of NHL players uh, that you can buy at Toys R Us or any of those stores, but she would what she would do is repaint them and and she did a really, really good job with them. Um, I still have mine. I had a four-goal game. Um, you got one for your hat-trick game. Do you still have that figurine? Yeah, I definitely do. It's uh, actually at my parents' house in Osuyas. I haven't thought about that for a while, but yeah, definitely. I still have it. Kind of funny, right? So I want to get back into uh, more stories uh, in Kelowna. In the last podcast, I had mentioned uh, that I dealt with a couple different pregnancies uh, in the Western Hockey League. And obviously, you knew more about that than most. I'm going to go on the record right now and say, obviously, I had the one girl in Swift Current pregnant, and I decided to not be a man about it, pretend that this kid wasn't mine. I was 19 when she got pregnant. I made a horrible decision. I ended up getting traded by Dean Chanel. Anyways, I went back there and her family obviously wasn't happy with me. My family wasn't happy with me. I came back home in that summer, this girl back home and got pregnant too. So I actually had two girls pregnant at the same time. So when I went back to Swift Current, the one girl, you know, she, her brother had called me or something and uh, I'd called him back and I guess he was a little scared. So he called the police and said, I had, uh, said I was uttering threats. So uh, the police called me. I had to go to the local police station in Swift Current and they obviously called my coach, Dean Chanel, and explained the situation. And Dean obviously knew she was pregnant, but in a small town like Swift Current, it was just too much. And they traded for another 20 year old, Eric Feldy. And obviously the story of me getting traded is on my last podcast, but so I get traded to Kelowna now. I was with Brittany. I'm going to say her name on my podcast. It doesn't matter because everybody knows her, but I never told everybody that she was pregnant. So you knew and a few other guys knew, right, Dylan? You remember this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 100%. You remember me telling, you know, being like, you know, don't say anything because I don't want it to be a distraction, obviously, because in the Western Hockey League, it's, you know, we're geared towards playing hockey. This is, I remember being given speeches uh, my first year in Swift Current about, you know, just be careful, you know, you know, it can happen to you and da, 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 da. And, I, and I'll be honest, like I was no angel, but like I, by no means was I like a man whore or sleeping with as many girls as I could. Like some guys would, I, I really wasn't like that, but here I had two girls pregnant and it was just a, a crazy situation. But, um, I ended up going to Kelowna and, uh, do you remember like, so Brittany was, had family up in Kelowna and, and they, she lived about 45 minutes from, from our house do you remember how much time i spent away from our billets house even though i was supposed to be home at 11 o'clock curfew yeah, yeah i remember that yeah they live up in uh joe rich or something like that or i think somewhere oh, there. i remember this is pre-iphone days so like do you remember i remember coaching you through like <laughs> three-way call on the old house phone and ryan huska the head coach calling and and you saying oh yeah he's in the shower and having to do a three-way call but um the coaches really the coaches really didn't know that that Brittany was pregnant they knew about the other pregnancy but uh they didn't know about that one so I don't know if you remember but when we we played in Swift Current just what the atmosphere was like there and and what the energy was like there I remember I was riding a 13 game point streak going into Swift Current um 14 goals 13 assists in January uh our line was just killing it and uh we went to Swift Current and that's where my point streak stopped in my tracks I think I went the next nine games with no points or something like that. And I believe that's karma. The girl was there with the baby and I could have met my son that day and I decided not to. And that still haunts me to this day. I'm going to go on the record right now and report and say that this girl, 
um, is doing fantastic and the kid is doing fantastic. Uh, I tried to get in touch with him and her later on. And she just had uh, explained to me that he has a dad and, uh, um, he's adopted him. They have another kid and, uh, which makes, you know, makes me happy. Obviously I'm disappointed in myself and the way I handle it, but, uh, I'm not making excuses. However, I was, a, I was just a kid and, and didn't know how to handle that situation. And, uh, um, you know, I'm just extremely proud to, to say that he's doing really well. He's 13 years old and, you know, I haven't talked to her in some time, but, you know, I've talked to her briefly on and off every once every couple of years just to see what's going on. And she's actually been really supportive and, uh, just concerned about me and that, um, Dylan, do you remember like what I was like and if I drank or if I was doing drugs when I was, no, 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 no. Not that I recall. I would say, I don't even really know if you really drank that much at all. No, there was a couple times we, we drank, but um, I was uh, I, I just I wanted to say this now because uh, on my last podcast, I was like, oh, I never did drugs while I was in the WHL. And 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 that's true because I never did them in season while I was with the team like hard drugs. Um, but I want to share a story with you. And I was playing in the BC Hockey League quickly. But um, do you remember when I I just want to correct myself because I said when I wasn't in the WHL and that was not the truth. And the whole premise of my podcast, Dylan, is to to come on the air and I'm going to say some things that are going to piss people off because I've done some things I'm not proud of or whatever. But I want to be honest and that's the most important thing. But I want to ask you if you remember, okay? So you, we went home at Christmas. I flew home on Len Berry's plane uh, from Saskatoon with Tyson and Jamie while you guys had to take the bus home. You remember this? For sure. Okay. Yeah, so, no idea. I, I partied with Benny and I slept in Jamie Ben's room. He slept on the couch and his room was like all decked out in his minor hockey stuff. I mean, he was only 18 at the time, right? And uh, I got hammered that night and uh, Randy Ben ended up driving me to the ferry terminal. I think I was back home before you guys were even through Alberta. I went home at Christmas and I and I ended up partying with my girlfriend's brother at the time. And I ended up did coke like three or four nights. And I don't know if you remember, but you got PlayStation 3 for Christmas, okay? And we were about to play, and I pulled something out of my pocket. And I had a little baggie, a little Coke baggie. I don't know if you remember this. And you're like, what the, like, what? You, like, looked at me like, what's wrong with you? Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I just did it. But, like, you know, I did it when I was home at Christmas, and I came back to phone, and then I ripped it up. But so you got PS3 for Christmas, and you and I, man, like, Honestly, there was days when I didn't want to go to the the rink to play games because I was so into beating you at NHL 2008 Ottawa Senators versus the Anaheim Ducks. Like, what's up, bud? Like, we used to play all night, every night till four in the morning sometimes, <laughs> games. And uh, I just like, what do you remember about that? And also, uh, before I say anything, talk about that for a second, what that was like. Can you Can you remember, like, what the the biggest sleeper in that whole game was what his name was. What? what? My boy, Ken Huskins. Ken fucking Huskins, man. You better look (laughs) out. Honestly, Todd Marchant was so fast in that game. He caused me so many problems. It's not even funny. Like that guy was like, faster than fucking lightning i used to put in brian mcgratton and he used to stir it up man like do you remember that you used to get so worried i'd put i put grazzi in and he'd stir it up in the lineup yeah (laughs) yeah putting mcgratton in you better look out man i'd be trying to fight everybody right and oh my god we used to just die laughing we'd watch entourage and fuck just die laughing yeah Yeah. good time 
And uh, you met your wife, Kayla. I remember you guys cuddling up on the couch. You guys are in great well. Like, I think uh, Evan was there with his girlfriend. And, and uh, yeah, like, I just remember that. And you guys are still together. And that's that's great. Like, I just remember you met Kayla. You were super happy. And you're telling me, you're like, man, I, you know, I think I love her. And da, da, da. I'm like, come on, man. You're just a kid. And you're like, oh, man. Like, I remember talking to you about it. But I could see it in your face right away. Uh, I remember having to do your fucking laundry. Uh, I think the first night you went out with her because you were such a slob back then. I had to do your sheets and do everything. I'm like, man, you need some clean clothes for this date. Do you remember that? You were just a kid, man. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> still young. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the truth. Let's be honest. But honestly, I enjoy I enjoyed playing with you. And I'll tell you what made me fucking laugh, Dylan, is so like the next year I, uh, I was playing in the coast and you were playing in Moose Jaw. And you sent me a link to this YouTube video and it was you guys in Moose Jaw and you guys recreated all the moves from like NHL 2009. And like I was like on the floor laughing so hard. I'm going to try to find the link for it and post it in here because it is so funny. If you play the game, like these guys took the time. The Moose Jaw guys from the Moose Jaw Warriors, him and whoever, I don't know who it was, Dylan, you could tell the story, but like, it was so funny. Like, I don't know how you guys did that or who came up with the idea, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, that's funny. Um, yeah, definitely. When we were in Moose Jaw, um, you know, it's like in Saskatchewan, it's pretty cold uh, during the winter. So basically all you do is go to the rink and play video games. So uh, we were pretty obsessed with NHL 2009 and uh, we figured uh, we would recreate all the glitches in the game. Uh, in real life on the ice on our goalie so uh, there was a handful of us boys that one day after practice uh, we shot the video and uh, and then we did a little editing and and put it on YouTube but yeah pretty funny video hilarious and uh, yeah you guys killed it on that one I I really I really enjoyed that and it just made me like I could go back to those days just for a little bit obviously uh, we're growing up I I have kids and and all that and so much thing so many things have changed and we were just kids even though I was 20 and and you were 17, but like, I really like, man, it was such a joy to play with you and, and get to know you. And I really, yeah, I wanted the best for you. And, you know, I'm so proud of you, man. Like when I saw that you had that year, even your second last year there in Moose Jaw, you know, like I felt I was actually pretty pissed off that Colin had traded you. And, uh, but you know, it is what it is. And uh, that's just the nature of the game. And I think that, you know, you find out as you go on for me anyways, that, throughout pro hockey it just gets more cutthroat and more cutthroat and it's fucking brutal and at times it just can be so discouraging and um uh like i know you took a year off in 2016 2017 were you hurt uh, or did you just were you just done with it or what what was what was going on there uh i actually got injured at the end of a season i uh um i broke my leg and tore the ligaments in my ankle so I uh, had to get some ankle surgery and stuff and um, had some complications about nine months in. I uh, got a staph infection. They had to go in and re- remove a bunch of hardware. So I didn't walk for about 11 months or so um, coming back from that injury. So that's that's why I kind of missed that season. And then I, I started late even the year after that. So That year you didn't play, obviously, that must have been extremely hard. And uh, where did you spend your time that season? Like, were you at home rehabbing? Were you in Kelowna? Were you with the team? Um, did you have support from any team? Did you have a contract? Were you getting paid? What was going on? Um, I, I, I spent my time in Kelowna here at my wife's family's house. Um, uh, I, I was under – I had workers' comp going on with um, – just my team in Louisiana that I was playing for. 
unfortunately it was about i don't even know i think eight months in my team went bankrupt in louisiana so then uh i didn't get any money so that's pretty much just kind of battling there for you know eight, eight months until i could really start moving around properly where i could where i could work and stuff like that so. see this is you know <laughs> these are the things in pro hockey that you know people don't see you don't hear about it as much. I mean, you watch Sportsnet and uh, you see that the guys in the NHL are getting hurt or whatever. But, you know, you get hurt while you're playing playing in the NHL. You, you're well taken care of. And uh, even probably in the American League. And, and I had some troubles in the East Coast League myself. I'm trying to get paid when I was injured and that. But down uh, down in the other leagues and that, I, I, there is no job security from year to year. And it is so extremely stressful. I don't know what the experience like was for you with Kayla. Obviously, she to to stick by your side. Obviously, she's a, a strong woman and she's followed you all over the world. Do you guys plan on having kids? Are you going to play next year? What What does the future look like for you, Dylan? Um, that's a good question. Right now, with everything that went on uh, with the virus here this season, um, I think it's just kind of the up in the air right now. What's What's going to happen over in Europe for the upcoming season? Um, but that's, that being said, as far as me and Kayla moving forward uh, with a family, we actually, uh, she's, we're expecting right now. Um, wow. So she's uh, 14 weeks uh, pregnant right now. So we actually are in the middle of starting a family. So we're very excited about that. Congratulations. Do you know when the due date is? Hey. Uh, Oct- October 2nd. My girlfriend Taylor is also pregnant and her due date's October 20th. So um, no we way. might have <laughs> same draft year who knows <laughs> just <laughs> how funny would that be <laughs> right um no congratulations to you guys that's great news um your mom and dad must be super pumped does your does your brother have any kids uh no no dakota he, my my brother actually just got engaged this year so he's oh. just uh he's working on I mean, them getting married talk. i think uh next year they haven't really decided yet but yeah no kids just uh engaged so yeah, if you were going to tell me that Fanning had kids, I was going to like be like, what? I still see him as like 13 or 14 years old, you know what I mean? So <laughs> Yeah, I do. Things happen, everybody grows up. I mean, you're 29, you're almost 30, 30 coming up June 1st. That's crazy. How do you feel at 30 years old from from slugging it out playing hockey all these years? Like how how's your body holding up? Have you had any concussions? Obviously that that injury you you told me about was pretty bad, but have you had any other injuries? Have you had to play through any injuries where maybe you felt like, hey, if I don't play through this injury, I might be either off this team or, or out of the lineup and and that might be it for me. Do you have any experiences like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Actually, I mean, uh, to be honest, I had one when I was playing um, in the ECHL. Uh, I ended up having a pretty bad high ankle sprain one night and uh, uh couldn't walk or anything. It was, it was really, really bad. I uh, couldn't even barely put a skate on without there. Couldn't push. And um, the team actually asked me to to dress just to have me on the bench. I wasn't going to see a shift. And so they had me sign a piece of paper saying that I was good enough to play. And I played. And then uh, the next day I got called into the uh, – and they had put me on waivers. So they were basically just waiting for me to sign that I was not injured where I fully was. Ended up going to another team after that, got picked up off waivers, and uh, I couldn't even skate, so I ended up just going home at the end of the year. It was a tough situation for sure. 
Oh man, I appreciate you uh, opening up with that honesty there because that's obviously um, I know for for me as a player to 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 just explain these situations can be extremely hard because people think that playing hockey is like such a great thing and like playing in the Western Hockey League, yeah, it was great, and playing pro hockey is great, and like if you play in the NHL, it's great. But I I I've seen some interviews of guys that played and like they were they were miserable when they were playing NHL or they weren't. I'm not saying like all guys are miserable. I'm just saying that like even at that level, it's not always the answer. Like there's so much pressure when it comes to to playing and 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 I some guys fizzle out before they're even you know make it to junior because of the pressure from their parents or anything like that. It's just guys like Patrick O'Sullivan. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his story, but dad was just, you know, like one of those crazy hockey dads. And I'm just so fortunate that I didn't have one of those. But uh, I know like uh, going through the experience that you went through, that must have been extremely hard. And was Kayla with you? And, you know, what was that experience like? Because I know I had to pack up my uh, my ex and both my kids when I was playing in the coast, same situation and uh, and go home. And, and I felt like I had nothing like I felt like, hey, I'm not, I can't even make it in the coast right now. Like, what am I doing with myself? Like, like I just didn't believe in myself as a player, even as a human being. Did you have any like feelings like the same, or, or how was that for you? Yeah, that was that was a tough experience. Um, I, Kayla wasn't with me at the time. She was back home and she had a really good job, uh, working full time here. Um, so for me, it was just kind of, uh, it, it was really weird. You know, I, I had a lot of loyalty as I do with the organizations that I play for and obviously just I mistrusted somebody I had a good relationship with and they kind of just led me astray and all of a sudden like I said I probably should have been on the IR for three weeks and it was near the end of the season um, and what happened was you know I ended up getting released getting picked up by a new team to go to a new team and be like well you know I'm injured <laughs> can't really play played at one shift got hurt again and uh then the next day I got cut from that team and had to pack up and go home. And it's basically, it's like, it was my, my screw up by saying I wasn't hurt when I probably was. And I went home and now it's like, that doesn't look very good at me for the end of the season, getting cut from two teams back to back basically. So it was a lot of pressure and I felt guilty because I was just being loyal and I should have been protecting myself. And, you know, and I just was kind of went with the flow and it just, it ended up biting me in the ass to be honest. Yeah. And uh, that hurts. Right. Because you you, you want to trust that like when you're going to a team that like, hey, you know, I'm a player. I'm here to play. Like, you know, if I'm here, like I'm here, you know, like I'm here, I'm committed. If I'm committed to you, you should be committed to me. And uh, certainly at that level there, there's I did. I certainly didn't feel a whole lot of loyalty in, in the minor pro level, uh, aside from the one coach that I had uh, my last year of pro hockey with uh, Terry Ruskowski, NHL legend, probably the, the best coach I've ever had on a, on a strictly human um, personal level. And I'm going to have him on the podcast coming up. I'm talking to him tomorrow. And, uh, but aside from that, like, like you said, like it's such a hard experience and the guys that play in the NHL are so few and far between. And then the guys that actually like have a career and, and make it, it that's even the list is even smaller. So at what point was the decision to be like, Hey, you know what? I'm done in North America. I'm going to look at my options overseas. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think that happened um, when I ended up going from Alaska down to Louisiana um, Louisiana wasn't just, uh, it wasn't what I was, it wasn't the league I was looking to play in, to be completely honest. And, uh, 
you know, I figured I didn't know how many more years I had left at that point in my career where I was mentally. And uh, I figured, you know, I should take advantage of hockey and uh, see if I can uh, me and Kayla can head overseas and just see a little bit of Europe uh, while we can do it and uh, and make a living doing it. So that was kind of the turning point for me. Yeah, I think that's, that was a great decision. I, I'm really happy that you guys made that that choice uh you spent a year in france what was that experience like like whereabouts in france were you what was the hockey like if you don't mind you don't have to tell me how much they paid you but what was the pay generally like for an import and on that team and you know what was the what was a day like for a hockey player in france uh france was an interesting experience it it, it was a really good setup for us actually uh, we ended up going into uh, a city that's about 45 minutes outside paris so we had a main hub there um, obviously lots to do um, a brand new facility brand new arena and gym that just got put up I think it was a year before uh, so we were walking into a really good setup um, but France the hockey is actually it's it's fairly competitive because in that league in France you were allowed 11 imports so 11 imports and basically 11 French players so basically it's imports against imports in the game so it, it's not an easy league by any means because you got a lot of good players that are on each team and you're you're competing against you know North American players for the most for the most part. Um, but uh, other than the hockey aside, yeah, we would pretty much uh, the thing is uh, some of the French guys they work so you're practicing around seven o'clock eight o'clock at night every night, which is the only uh, downside I would say about playing that league. Then this last year you were over in Italy. We touched on that. How is it over there? And which which place did you like better? Uh, Italy was awesome. Um, it, it was a different experience as well. There's only two imports per team there, um, so a, a little bit uh, a little bit easier season I felt. Anyways, uh, still really good hockey. The Italians are good players, um, but just as, as the fact this is the quality of life. Uh, we were living in northern Italy in wine country. Um, you know, sunny every other day. It's just gorgeous area. We were super lucky. We loved it there. Italy was, I would say, each each place had their their pros and cons. You know, it was cool being outside Paris and being in a big city, but at the same time, Okanagan yeah. Valley. We're from this area. We love it. Wine country. It was it was just like being at home. Nice. And which which league would you say pays better? Um, it just depends on your experience. And if you're a first year guy coming in from North America. Uh, you're probably not going to get the pay that you're looking for. You really do have to put a year in and kind of establish yourself because, you know, if, if they don't know who you are, they're not going to just take a chance. Um, but they so saying that they both kind of pay relevant. You played with uh, Nick Buonacici. He's also from uh, my hometown, Port Coquitlam. I actually graduated with his sister, Michelle. Um, did you know Nick before heading over there? Like, how did you end up in, in Italy and, uh, you guys are relatively the same age and he played in the Western Hockey League too. Did you know him beforehand and, and are you guys good friends now or, or how did that come about? Uh, yeah, he, he's a great guy. Um, no, I, I never had a chance to meet him before this. I, I definitely remembered, um, playing against him in the Western League and he was a good player. I remember him when he was in Prince George and stuff. Um, but no, he, he's a really good guy, and uh, we got along really well and, and played well together. So we had a really fun time this year. Um, so yeah. So you remember um, our, our teammate, we, we used to call him Ed. Um, a quick fun fact for everyone. Uh, when I got traded to Kelowna, my first practice, actually, I was super confused for like the first week, actually, because all these guys were calling each other by their dad's first names. 
but nobody informed me of that. So like, I'm like learning that my new roommate's name is Dylan Hood, but they're calling him Keith, Keith or, and I'm like, why are they calling him? Who's Keith? And who's Steve? Like, who are these guys? Like, and I had no idea for like the longest time. Right. So it was kind of funny. We, we had a lot of good times there in Kelowna. We played with a lot of good players. I feel very fortunate to be on that team and, and to uh, just to be a part of that organization. Obviously, you're calling Kelowna home. You found a girlfriend, a wife, probably going to raise a family there. Once you're part of the Kelowna Rockets organization, you're, you're par- kind of part of it for life. I feel like is, they're as close to an NHL team as you're going to get in the Canadian Hockey League. I know that uh, it just my whole mindset changed when when I got traded to to the Kelowna Rockets playing for Bruce Hamilton. Uh, what was it like to to be around uh, the organization with uh, guys like Bruce Hamilton and, and Lauren Fry? Well, that's got to be the closest uh, to an NHL franchise in the in the CHL. I mean, Bruce, the way they they run things is just so first class. Obviously, teams have more money than others. But I know Kelowna, once you're once you're a rocket, you're a rocket for life. They do the alumni weekend every year. I'm hoping to get back there this summer, catch up with all of you guys. Um, are you planning on staying in Kelowna? Do you have any plans on coaching? And what do you see for yourself when you're done hockey? Um, I, you know what? I've never really thought too much about it, uh, about coaching. Um, but when I'm done hockey, it, that's a good question. Right now, I'm, I'm, I was planning on this summer was uh, starting to work with um, – uh, the trainer that's been I've been working with over the last few years in the gym. He's got his own gym here. Uh, start training some younger kids. Uh, maybe getting into some off ice stuff with some elite athletes, stuff like that. Um, maybe move into the the off season st- st- um, side of the game. Um, but yeah, I haven't haven't thought too much about coaching at this point, to be honest. Being in Kelowna, obviously Bruce and Lorney, they bring in top end guys. They were pretty weary about me coming in I knew that they had heard some stuff and I, and I actually had heard that uh, it was Bill Ranford that because uh, he was a part of the Express organization uh, I know I told this when we played together but I quit my 18 year old year because uh, my girlfriend back home found out that I was with another girl or whatever and so I quit and came home and I ended up signing with the Burnaby Express and I told my coach Dean to trade me to Everett or Vancouver and I decided to sign with Burnaby in the BC Hockey League instead. And when I was on that team, I had nine points in my first three games. And shortly after that, I got traded to the Everett Silvertips and it was a multiplayer deal. And uh, I had originally told Kevin Constantine that I was going to go. But then when he called back, I got my friend Mike Barnes to uh, pretend to me and say I wasn't coming. Um, and then right after that, uh, I got some education money from the Burnaby Express um, because I'd blown my uh, scholarship opportunity, obviously playing in the Western Hockey League. Well, I started partying, doing ecstasy, and uh, I did my first line of cocaine on uh, my... I was 18 on New Year's, so January 1st, I think 2006 it would have been. And uh, then, uh, you know, I had this money this education money I was supposed to spend, use for education that I ended up uh, blowing all on partying. And I remember actually showing up to the rink uh, and doing coke at one of the games. Uh, I got two goals, three assists, and this is no shit. I'm not even lying. And I was doing coke in between the 
in between the uh, periods in the dressing room playing with the Express the year they won the RBC. And that is a 100% true story. Um, I also went uh, on a road trip. Uh, I showed up early morning. We were supposed to go on this long road trip and I'd been up for like the last night all all uh, high on ecstasy when I was 18 and like just making bad decisions. But like when I was playing in the Western Hockey League, there was I just I never did anything like that in season. Um, but I totally. Uh, yeah, it was a crazy story. So Rick Lands was a coach. Yeah, um, he's an NHL vet. And I actually had like 30 or 40 people coming to a game in Burnaby and partied the night before. And I, I went down for my pregame nap. And I woke up hoodie and it was like 8.30 p.m. And I had like 76 missed phone calls. And I slept through the game. Oh, God. <laughs> no way. Yeah, my, my word, man. I, everything I'm telling you is the honest God truth. And uh, <laughs> I remember my dad was so pissed. Well, I snuck out of my house before he could get home. And I went back out and I partied. Well, I came back in and snuck back home with my friend and these two girls. Anyways, my room was in the garage and you could come in the side door. Well, I didn't lock the door. Well, I don't even know how these guys knew where I lived. I don't know my dad told them or what, but my dad would have to go to work the next morning. Or he, I don't know, he wasn't home. All of a sudden the door opens and who is it? It's the, the coaches and the, all the, the captain, all the assistant captains of the Express. And I'm just like strung out. Got these girls and my buddy were like partying the night before. I'd missed the game and everything. It was just, it was fucking crazy. And uh, shortly after that, um, I, I ended up cleaning up and uh, going to see Dr. Mirth. Uh, he was the team doctor uh, cleaning up. And I came back and decided to do play, started playing and doing well. But uh, after one of the games, I, we had to go ride the bike. You know, you have to flush your legs. Well, I stood up and uh, bumped like, you know, we hang our gear or whatever. Well, I bumped my pants, my hockey pants, which bumped my skate that was hanging above my head. And when I stood up, it just flukily came down and cut my Achilles tendon right through and I fell flat on my face in the dressing room after I came back after I was like getting drug tested all this stuff and uh so I had to get like surgery that night on my foot and they were like yo you're done for the year da 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 and they were like hey keep coming to the rink be a part of the team and I was like I'm not coming to the rink every day fuck that I'm not playing and uh actually I my my leg probably would have got better and they ended up going to the RBC and winning it all and winning it all like with Kyle Turris on that team and, and whatever. So I knew that I had made a mistake and begged Dean to take me back as a 19 year old. And then all that shit happened. But, um, coming to Kelowna with, when you met me, like I was pretty forthcoming with a lot of this stuff, but, um, what is it that you remember most about playing with me or just about anything that I said to you, if there's one thing or one thing that stands out about maybe my game or anything uh, that you just remember clearly? What I remember about you, honestly, man, was uh, was looking up to you. <laughs> you know, I, I was 17, you were 20, and, uh, you know, I basically looked up to you like a, a big brother, to be completely honest. I looked to you for advice. Uh, when you're young in the, in the Western Hockey League and you're away from home, look to you for uh, for confidence in my game. Am I making? Am I doing the right thing? Um, but as a player, I remember you as just a a well-rounded player that that would pretty much fight anybody, and I admired it to be honest. It's funny you said that. Uh, I was I have some pretty exciting news, and I can't even say it yet because they told me to hold off. But uh, talking to this guy today and uh, sharing a couple of my stories, and uh, I, I was just telling him about that, about how when I came to Kelowna, uh, I remember I gave an interview to Doyle, the sports writer, and in that interview, I basically said I would fight anybody. And 
I remember we we ended up we weren't playing very well or whatever. We were playing Medicine Hat, and just before the game, I think Bruce was came in to talk to Husky, and uh, he saw me. I think I was taping my stick or something. And he's like, "Leval, get over here!" And Bruce, and he'd like never said two words to me since I even got traded there, right? And I'd been there probably for like a month, and he didn't do it in front of anybody else. He pulled me aside. And he's like, you want to go on the newspaper and say you're fighting anybody? You're not doing any of the things you said you were going to do and da-da-da-da-da, all this stuff. And I went out that night. I got a Gordie Howe hat trick and I beat up Jordan or John Stampohar. There's a picture of it I got in my in the blog there, post blood all over my hands. And uh, I remember uh, I should have scored the OT winner, actually, but the goalie made a retarded save on me. And then I set my Z up for the OT winner anyways. Um, but that was really what set me off. And it wasn't that I would fight anybody because to be honest with you, uh, I was scared a lot of the time, not, not in the sense of scared to get hurt or scared to fight. But when I knew that, like, you know, especially after James got hurt, our captain got hurt, he was our legit, actually the tough guy. When he got hurt, it was like, Hey, well, like now it's like really up to me. And like, I probably had like 27 fights that year and I, like I can throw them all right. But there was nights where, you know, like I knew that, you know, maybe I'm going to have to fight this guy or this guy's going to want to fight me. And I just had so much fucking anxiety and that, you know, and, and at the time I didn't, couldn't even recognize it as anxiety. And, uh, I just thought it was normal and that, I, you know, I should stuff it down and, and, uh, you know, and, and that, you know, I was playing through all these concussions and, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember when I broke my hand and I didn't say anything? And then right before we went to try cities, I was like, Hey, my hand's broken. And you guys went to try cities and I didn't come with you. I went and got a cast. I flew to try cities, met you guys there. And I get a cast on it. And, and they're like, and I was like, yo, cut my cast off. And our, our trainer, Jeff Thorburn was like, I can't cut, I can't cut, cut your cast off. Like, da, da, da. I'm like, well, I'm not playing with the fucking cast. So he like cut half of it off. I did one lap in warm up and I came off the ice and I fucking grabbed a pair of scissors. I start fucking cutting that cast off. He's like, just relax, relax. I'll get, the, I'll get the cast saw. I'm like, get this fucking thing off me right now. Da, 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 da. And I ended up, you know, I cut it off, played, and I fought that night in Tri Cities, you know? Um, so playing through all these injuries and, and we do this and like, I don't know about you, man, but I'm pretty fucking banged up and like, I have nothing to fall back on. Um, I chased my dream of playing pro hockey and my addiction took me to places that are un- unimaginable. I never would have thought, but cut my career short. But, um, you know, I played, you know, a few years in the Western Hockey League and feel like I should be still entitled to my scholarship money, even if I wanted to go chase my pro dreams. Um, uh, it's kind of a, a, a hard subject to touch on and, and it can kind of open a can of worms. But do you maybe feel the same way or, or do you want to maybe not comment on that? Or how do you feel about that? Um, to be honest, I just, I don't understand why you, you lose it personally. Um, you know, you put in the time, uh, this is my honest opinion. You put in your time to play in these leagues in the, in major junior, you lose eligibility, um, to get a scholarship in uh, in, in NCAA or anything like that. And you know what? You play one game pro and everything you just paid for, you're making, an allowance every two weeks playing in the Western Hockey League, and now you don't get eligibility to go go to school. It is yeah. To me, it, I don't yeah, understand it. So you know. So for for people that don't know, Major Junior in Canada is the Western Hockey League, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And uh, as soon as you sign a contract or play one game in any three of those leagues, 
you are now considered professional and you cannot get a full ride NCAA scholarship in the States. So that's why these guys go play tier two. That's what I mean about education money when I got traded to, or when I went and played tier two after I played in the WHL is uh, you considered pro, but if you think about it, you said allowance money. Uh, if you're considered pro, you're not even making minimum wage. 16 year olds make $85 every two weeks or something like that. 17s are like 90 bucks, right? What, what did, right, Dylan? Something like that? Yeah, 80 bucks when you're 16. And uh, like 200 bucks when you're 20 or something. And, and, you know, and I understand that, like, you know, you want to go play these guys that play in the NHL making millions. Sure, maybe they don't need the money for their education or to go to university, but like maybe I want to go get some tickets because, uh, you know, maybe I want to go do a couple courses because I want to better my life now, but I don't have the money or the financial ways to do this. And, and, uh, you know, for someone like me, now I have me, I have a criminal record. I spent like three of the last five years in jail because of my addiction and everything. And it's, it's absolutely crazy. And, uh, that's a story for another day, but you know, like I'm missing my teeth. My plate is broken. I can't, I right now, I don't have the money to buy a new one and the WHL won't cover it, even though I lost them playing in a WHL game. And the only reason they didn't get put back in is because the dentist left early. And that's bullshit to me. Like, you know what I mean? I braced this for six years. Like, where is the, where are they giving back is all I'm saying. And I'm not trying to attack the Canadian Hockey League because, uh, you know, Another thing I want to talk about, too, is this class action lawsuit that James McEwen has. I'm going to have James on, on the podcast here soon. Are you familiar with this class action lawsuit against the Canadian Hockey League? Uh, vaguely, yeah. yeah. I, I've read a couple things about it, but I'm not 100% what's exactly going on. But I read up a little bit about it. So basically, um, James, uh, he was a captain of the Colonel Rockets when we played there. He started a class action lawsuit for any and all Canadian Hockey League players that suffered like concussions and injuries when they played and uh, you know I went on my last podcast and said uh, that I would never join any lawsuits or or anything like that because I accepted the responsibilities of being a hockey player and every time I dropped the gloves I knew what I was doing and but I thought about it and it was like hey like a lot of my concussions didn't happen from fighting it had just happened from like a hit or even just a weird hit in practice like you know did you have anything like that um you know what? I've, I've been pretty fortunate with concussions, but uh, yeah, I, it's, it doesn't always necessarily happen in a fight. There's, it's in hockey, anything can kind of happen. You get bumped the wrong way, and it just kind of rings your bell. But that's what you you sh- you chalk it up to ringing your bell. You know, you, you shake it off and you keep going. But like, you don't really understand like that's probably a minor concussion that you're just gonna play through. Yeah, I, I played through so many deals. I can't even tell you how many concussions I played through, or my bell being rung, or like you know all these injuries and and now it's like for what but like I yeah man I was a warrior and I just believe that like as a hockey player these are the things you did I remember getting stitched up on the bench no freezing I played after I lost my teeth like the lot my last shift like four teeth clean out you know what I mean like I'm sure you played through a lot of injuries too and like I just want to know like where is the liability for for people that need help that that need it later on in life because maybe they're suffering from problems that they sustained while playing in that league. And like, I'm 32. I certainly notice a difference in my brain and even before my, my drug use, but the concussions 
more so than the drug use, I think. And I've watched a lot of documentaries on concussions and, and I'm scared. Like, uh, you can ask my girlfriend, like there'd be times where I'm sitting there during the day and I'll be like doing something like, yo, what was I doing? I forget. And, um, it's scarier. Like, and, and I just don't even know, I don't even know how to talk about it. I don't know who to talk to about. I don't know where to turn to support. Um, I felt so suicidal these last 10 years. Um, fortunately, uh, I'm still here and I've had so many drug overdoses, um, uh, some intentional, some accidental. And for whatever reason, I'm still here and uh, I'm clean. Um, and I've no, and I've relapsed a lot, but like, I'm just, you know, this outlet of doing this podcast, like Dylan, uh, you may not know, but I've had a lot of support um, from people and, and just like even people like yourself, like ex-players, ex-teammates being like, hey, you know, I just we just want to see you doing well. We just want to see you doing better. But while I was in those pits of hell, like I felt like you guys wanted nothing to do with me and that like, you know, and that, you know, just that nobody would want to talk to me and how the hell can this ever come about? But trying to turn this story into a positive is is been a lot more challenging than than I originally anticipated years ago when I thought I would get clean and make a comeback. But um, I'm telling you right now, I feel better than I ever have before. But uh, I'm seriously reconsidering thinking about this uh, this class action lawsuit, um, not because I want to get money or anything like that. I just think there needs to be more accountability and more done. Maybe not, I'm not looking for money, but maybe just switch the, so that we can use our education money whenever we feel like it. You know what I mean? Something like that, yeah. like that, just a minor change. Like I sure I accept the responsibilities and injuries, but Hey, if I get hurt or if I'm having problems later in life, or if I need my teeth fixed, help me out. Like, you know, it's not like there's like millions of players coming through the WHL or the CHL. Like it's a very select few. There's only, it's no, there's only like 21 guys or whatever on each team every year. So how many guys is like, how much money is that for, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's a road I don't want to go down. Cause I, I want to maintain good relationships with, with like owners in the Canadian hockey league and, and that, but at the same time, I have to protect my own interests and look what happened to you when you didn't protect your own interests. Uh, down when you're playing the east coast hockey league you want to believe that these people in hockey have your best interest in heart but how did that feel when they made it feel like hey we're just gonna make you sign this and then they kicked you out the door yeah no it's it's uh it's eye-opening it's uh you have to learn from experiences like that because you don't want to you definitely don't want to go into situations thinking like that and feeling like that and uh being skeptical but um i was all uh i was i was nothing but trusting and and loyal and uh uh, to be completely honest, it uh, it bit me in the ass. So I understand where you're coming from. And and it's heartbreaking, right? Like, and I don't know about you, but for me, it was like I could. It was hard for me to face my family and friends. Like, you know, like all this pressure and oh, I'm going to play here, and then when it doesn't work out, and it's like, like I don't know, but I was lost, man. You haven't had it. You haven't stopped really playing yet. You had that that year where you were hurt, and I'm sure that was hard. But like for me, man, like never mind just like it's been hard with the addiction and everything but it would have been just it would have been hard just to navigate life trying to without the drugs just without hockey like i that's all i know like like i've never like i've never really been able to hold down a full-time job or or anything like that because it's like like how the hell am i gonna go work a real job after i was a hockey player like like maybe that sounds 
I don't know, like maybe I think I'm better than or whatever, but that's not it. Cause I will go work and I will go do any job, but it's extremely hard for me to find meaning and purpose in those jobs when I'm used to playing hockey and, and that like, so for me, it was, it was really hard, but thankfully now, you know, through this outlet is, you know, I've had so many people and message me and be like, Hey, you know, I, I not so much like, Hey, I see myself in you, but I know somebody that, that the story is similar. And Dylan, like I've, I've heard of uh, two, two hockey players that played junior hockey that have died from fentanyl overdoses in the last couple of years out here. And I'm going to do an episode on that. Cause I don't want to forget about these guys. And I certainly never thought that that drug addiction like was going to be a part of my life the way it was like, sure. I used party drugs when I was younger than that, but like, you really don't even know any of these stories about how I went to jail or anything like that. But you know, I got so lost. Like you remember being in Vancouver and driving down Hastings. Like I was homeless on Hastings for seven months. Yeah. That's crazy. So I don't know if anybody knows like what that, what Hastings is, but it's basically like a 10 block radius in Vancouver of just open drug use and carnage, uh, prostitution, drug use, um, drug dealing, uh, stolen property, crime, violence. It is just a nasty, nasty place. Um, there's needles all over the ground, people dying everywhere. Um, it, I saw the most crazy shit while I was down there. I got baseball batted while I was sleeping actually on the ground, just like in the park one day because this guy thought I owed him money me and my girlfriend were sleeping and this guy came and cracked us both over the head with this wooden baseball bat this is a true story and I woke up and I'll never forget it like blood's pouring down my face my head's just going another concussion right my head's just ringing and my fucking my ex-girlfriend she's already on her feet she's got blood coming down her face and she's like get him and so I get up, I fucking get this bat, I pass it to her, I start beating on this guy, she's hitting him with the bat, like, it was a crazy story, and people, like, people, like, street people that have been down there for, like, a long time were, like, like, I was a pretty noob down there, like, when I first got down there, people thought I was a cop, they're like, oh, you're too clean cut, like, are you a cop, you know what I mean, like, that's the way I was treated, but, like, they they were, like, we, I've, so many people were, like, I've never seen anybody take a hit like that in my life, and, like, the cops, the guy took off after I beat him up and the cops came to me and tried, they wanted to press charges for attempted murder on this guy, but I wouldn't talk. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just the way that it was, but like that was, that's the life I've been living since you and I last talked. And, uh, you know, well, you've been playing hockey, so I'm just happy that you've been doing well. And, uh, I'm so glad that we had this chance to talk to you Like I, I really miss you, man. And I'm going to work, I'm going to work my ass off to try to come to Kelowna for the alumni weekend if it's going to go on this summer um obviously with the COVID-19 if it doesn't uh, I want to be there for the following one and and hopefully that uh people are going to welcome me with open arms after everything that's happened uh um you know I talk to Regan Bartel quite often but I don't know I just hope that the Kelowna Rockets will open me or welcome me with open arms because uh you know um certainly not the person that uh some of these newspaper articles or whatever is like front page news and i accept responsibility for the things that i did i wasn't in my right mind but um addiction is a really crazy thing and uh, mental health um is a crazy thing we need more awareness for it um did you ever talk to a sports psychologist when you were playing at any level 
Um, I, I believe I did it in Kelowna, actually, my first, well, actually, all three years in Kelowna. So was that like a thing where it was like mandatory or optional? Um, and when we were going through those sessions, did you actually feel that like you were, could be comfortable and be like, if let's, you don't have to say if you had an issue or not, but let's say you did have an issue at the time, would you have been comfortable going to that sports psychologist and being like, Hey, this, this, and this, because, uh, for me, I know that I was going through things like thinking suicidal thoughts. Uh, I had a sports psychologist, Max Offenberger. Uh, I'm going to have him on the podcast soon too. Hopefully I'm going to reconnect with him. But, uh, um, it wasn't that I didn't trust him, but I, I just understood that I was a minor. Like I was 17 years old playing in the Western league thinking about committing suicide. And I knew that like, if I tell him, they're going to tell the coach and that uh, this is going to, you know what I mean? So were you comfortable and did you really feel confident or did you feel like if you said it was going to back, get back to the coaches and did you feel like if, would it, would it affect your game or your, um, I, I can't say that, um, I was, I, I didn't feel pressured not to tell certain things to the doctors that I spoke with. Um, uh, but, but in saying that, I'm not sure how it works everywhere else. And that's just the experience that I had. Um, the guy, uh, the doctor I spoke with was extremely professional and, uh, and empathetic and, and he, he was really good to us actually. And I, I got a lot of respect for him. Um, but, but I, I, but in, again, in saying that, I, I don't know how it is everywhere and, and what it's like, um, you know, based, uh, from, from different team to team. Now, Max is a great guy. He's the best psychologist I've ever met. He he's got a Stanley Cup ring. He he was Tampa Bay psychologist when they won the cup. Like this guy had a ring when I was talking to him and shit on his finger. You know what I mean? And then I seen him again when I was in Norfolk. Um, but it wasn't about him. Like I trusted him. It was just the fact that I knew like I was a minor and like if it gets back to the coach that I'm this big of a fucking head case. Like am I still going to be on the team? Am I? You know what I mean? And it's just I don't know. There's all these weird thoughts. I just I never really had confidence as a player until about my last three months in the WHL when I was 20. What was your confidence level like? It, it, uh, honestly, like for me, over 16 to 20, um, you know, when you're 16, you're just happy to be there. And uh, you're just going to work hard and fly around and do what you got to do. Uh, assume a role. Um, as, you, as you get older, you get a little more hungry and you get a little more confident and, and you, wanna, um, you want a bigger responsibility uh, throughout a game. Um, but for me, once I got traded... And uh, I was given a little more free range um, to be creative, and that's where I got confidence from my uh, from the team that that they were, you know, they liked what I do. So they they were showing me confidence, and uh, that alone just just gave me um, the mindset that you know what, I, maybe I am doing the right thing, and uh, I can trust in my instincts and just go play my game. And that's kind of when it took over for me uh, going into my ninth year, year um, started really coming into my own. Um, and, and that's really said like that, that organization gave me some confidence in myself. Uh, and I kind of ran with that in my 20 year old year. Um, and then it's kind of stuck with me since in, in my pro career. So are you, um, you're, you don't know if you're going to play next year or what, what's going on? Obviously you're going to have a kid, so that's going to change things. But like, what have you, uh, the, have you thought about it or what, what's going on? Uh, the, the plan is to play. I just don't know, uh, where or what league so it's right now it's up in the air yeah so uh, that's awesome news i think you should keep playing as long as you can as long as you're having fun i miss playing so much but uh i don't see myself ever playing even competitively at all i want to get into the coaching side of it i'm like 30 pounds overweight right now so you know like I'm not doing there'd be no toe dragging i'll be toe picking like you know what i mean so um (laughs) you know 
<laughs> we'll stay we'll stay uh, stay away from actually lacing them up lacing them up i just want to share one one quick story so do you remember when uh when he was like eight months pregnant right before like the last my last regular season whl game in Kelowna. so if you remember colin long had 100 points and like he got that 100 points with like two or three minutes left in the game i think i scored or benny scored i can't remember but and he got that 100 points. Do you remember that? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like that was, uh, I mean, we worked so hard to get that guy his, his 100 points. So that was my last game. And like right immediately following that game, um, I left because uh, Brittany was going to have the baby, uh, our daughter Brooklyn. So I remember telling you guys like I had to go. So you guys had a couple practices without me. Uh, we had a planned C-section. And uh, then so like as soon as we had Brooklyn on St. Patrick's Day 2008, me and my dad flew up to Kelowna. Um, and we had the, our awards banquet and then we were leaving for Seattle the next day and, uh, we ended up going to Seattle. Um, we won the first two games. I think I was like first star, second star. I, I played really well and I was riding like, just, I just had my daughter Brooklyn and I was just like, she was like my little good luck charm. And I don't know if you remember this, but like we went back to Kelowna and Brittany flew in with my daughter when she was like six days old. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent it's like the coolest story that that i have in hockey i don't know you probably don't remember but um i actually scored 22 seconds into the very first game that my daughter was at and uh like just the whole prospera place just like lit like lit up it was a sold out playoff game and i remember my ex like giving me shit for making my daughter cry or whatever but i remember like everybody um yeah i know your parents bought me uh a pack of diapers and some clothes for my daughter and uh Luke Shen, Jamie Ben, Tyson Berry's family bought me a bunch of stuff um for my daughter and and people were really supportive of it. I mean, there was no hiding it then, but we unfortunately we lost out in game 7 and I actually I haven't seen you in person since I think maybe Rockets alumni weekend 2009 I think. So uh, I really got to get out there. Hopefully it happens this summer, but if not, the next summer for sure. Dylan, my last question for you is, who is the best player you've ever played with? Best player ever played with? It's uh, a really good question. Like you said earlier, that it's it, it's a tough one to answer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to go Jamie Ben, Best player He's all so around. Dirty. He was so yeah. dirty. Yeah, he actually uh, he actually got hurt my 20 year old year, and when he got hurt, we our line just shut it right down, like completely shut <laughs> it. It was like, and like I remember like me and Longer being like, is he faking hurt right now? Like, and he wasn't, but like we were like trying to like get him to come back and play hurt because we just wanted him back so bad, right? Like, fuck, Longer probably would have had 120 points. He probably would add 115 and I probably would add like 90 or something if he never got hurt. Like that's probably the way it would have worked out. But um, lots of fun that year. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm super proud of you, Dylan. Like you're doing great. Obviously, um, I want you to make sure that, you know, tell Kayla I said hi. And obviously Keith and Jacqueline and Fanning. Um, I can't believe he's getting married. It's wild. I just want to wish you all the best, buddy. And, you know, like I'm here for you. I'm going to do my best to to stick around now and, and not fuck up like I've been doing these last few years. So um, you've always been super supportive whenever I've reached out to you and uh, you've always been there for me. And I appreciate that. Um, 
you know, hearing, hearing you say that you looked up to me, you know, like, honestly, I almost like, it almost brought tears to my eyes. I sound like a little bitch, but, um, you know, uh, I really like, honestly, and, you know, I, it was, I'm glad, I'm glad. And, uh, you know, um, I feel like I was a, a fairly decent role model when I was playing on that team. As, you know, I obviously <laughs> the last few years, I haven't been a good role model to anybody, but, uh, back then, uh, you know, I was in a different mindset and, um, you were certainly a big help on that and helping that and playing, you know, just sitting around the Ramponi farm playing chill, um, those epic battles. <laughs> like I, I would love to do that again and just shoot the shit and not even play PS4, like get back on the PS3, NHL 09, <laughs> Ottawa, get Ray Emery in there. Like you're not going to score. So <laughs> anyways, Dill, uh, we've been talking for like an hour and 20 minutes, so I'm going to, I'm going to let you go, buddy, but uh, I appreciate you doing this, and uh, let's do this again sometime. Awesome, man. I, I'd love to. I'm just happy to hear you're doing great, and uh, I'm, I'm happy you reached out. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a treat uh, catching up with you, man, and I'd hope to see you in person uh, as soon as possible. Okay, buddy. Tell the family I said hi, and All I right. love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Will do. Thank you. Yeah. Bye, buddy. Big thanks to Dylan Hood for joining me tonight. Uh, guys, don't forget to check out www.teamissued.ca. Uh, get some fresh clothes, guys. Use promo code TOEDRAG15, TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchases. Um, guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends. Um, follow me, subscribe. Um, feel free to leave any comments. Um, anyways, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, take care of your friends and family. Come on.